Welcome to the Air Combat Simulation Podcast, brought to you by BVR Productions. Together with content creators, mission builders, experts, and enthusiasts, we explore the comprehensive world of combat aircraft simulation. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Air Combat Sim Podcast. This week we have Heat Blur with us. Uh, we'll be talking about the F-14 and the Carrier and the Viggen and whatever whatever else comes up uh, in the process. And uh, so, I guess uh, just introduce everybody. Uh, we have uh, Iron Mike. How's it going, Iron Mike? Hey, Jabbers. How's it going? It's going really great. Summer is here, finally. I think, uh, you know, restrictions are being eased up again. I still hope everybody's doing all right and is taking care of themselves in this uh, still trying year of ours. 2020 has not been too nice to everybody, but I think we'll get through and in that sense. I'm in a very positive mood. Awesome. At least, uh, at least restrictions are lifted somewhere. My, my state over here uh they just went back into effect because we're having a tough time so people need to stay indoors i hope you get through soon me too me too and 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 iron mike just so everybody else knows if they don't know what what exactly is your role with heepler oh uh you know in german we say girl for everything So uh, basically what I do is I lead the test team. Uh, I directed the gesture recordings. I'm responsible for uh, community management and customer support. I do mission creation, uh, writing, stuff like that. Um, so a little bit of everything. What I do not do is code stuff. So that's, that's Andrew and Ragnar and Gyros with her, Cobra and so on. And I fill the gaps in between a little bit, if you like. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, and then next we have uh, Andrew. How you doing, Andrew? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing good. Hope I can call you Andrew and not... Yeah, you can. Cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of had that conversation and then it kind of went another direction before the recording here. Um, That's all right. But, but yeah, yeah um, thanks. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say my state is in a similar state of lockdown as yours is, so... Uh... Seems like it's yeah. getting worse, and we're uh, going back into it. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, hope, hopefully you stay safe over there. Yes. Yeah, Where are you at? In Colorado. Gotcha. Yeah, you're just a couple states away from me. Yep. And what uh, what do you do over at Heatbler? Uh, I mainly just do uh, coding, uh, primarily in the flight model and other systems and things like that. Awesome. And then my secondary job is arguing with people on the forums. Uh, I think that's everybody's job at, <laughs> at Heepler and every other company working for doing DCS stuff. <laughs> Andrew also does engines. And what? Sorry? Andrew is yeah. also responsible for the engines. Oh, okay. Uh, I sort of consider that part of the flight model. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Makes sense. Awesome. And then. Uh, we also have uh, Ragnar. How you doing, Ragnar? Hi, uh, I'm I'm doing uh, pretty okay. I'm. Uh, it's my first uh, week in uh, vacation, and uh, first my daughter was sick, and then my <laughs> uh, wife was sick, and now I'm feeling a bit, a little bit uh, in my throat here, and 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 like everywhere else, uh, I guess uh, you have to stay <laughs> home. And, uh, and and wait uh, if you have like tiny bit of syst- uh, symptoms. So the whole family has been <laughs> staying indoors for for like a week now. And uh, but otherwise, it's it's uh, it's uh, uh, it's really 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 great. Besides that, that's good. Well, I hope you have a speedy recovery. Uh, yeah. I can I can relate to having to stay indoors, especially with kids. You said you had a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's not fun. The kids need to get out and run around and have fun. So hopefully you're not indoors too long. Yeah, I hope so too. And what what uh what do you do at Heepler? Uh, I'm I'm a programmer too. Um, I I did uh, the Vigan. I did a flight model and uh, most avionics on on the the Vigan. 
Nice. So we're missing an artist. We don't have an artist. Yeah. yeah we, have, we have no art representation right now. <laughs> That's okay. Awesome. And then uh, I'll also... An say again? <laughs> I'm an artist. You're an artist? <laughs> but I don't do graphics. Uh, yeah, not a graphics artist. It will be very bad. Gotcha. And then uh, along here side with me is uh, is uh, Goat. How you doing, Goat? Good. Uh, just uh, representing Texas here. Uh, I think we're winning in terms of... <laughs> <laughs> go big or go home. That's right. We're Texas. That's what I'm talking about. You guys were losing. You're like, we got to step it up a notch. It's, you know, we don't, we, we bring it in a really crazy way. That's all I'm going to say. You know, go in, in Slovenia, we have a saying goes like every country, unfortunately, has got to have it south. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in, uh, I, I'm in Austin. And the interesting thing about Austin is that everybody here is from somewhere else. But, uh, but I will say that, uh, uh yeah, definitely Texas is uh, is going to take this one on head on. That's for sure. You're in a sprint with Florida, man, to see who can win. Yeah, no, it's my my parents have retired there, so it's always great to you know to compete with them on this. <laughs> I think you're winning. Yeah, come on, Dad. You think you're winning? I'm having a block party later. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm going to start God. singing, bringing everybody yeah. over. To sing. Oh man! Well, hopefully. Uh, Things calm down in the next couple of weeks and everybody gets a better grasp of uh, this situation. But uh, COVID aside, let's talk about uh, heat blur stuff. So I guess we just start with uh, with the F-14 since, uh, you know, one of my favorites. What um, how are we looking? How are we looking on uh, the F-14? What what's left to do, uh, you know? Big feature-wise, and uh, and and where, yeah, basically, where are we at? I think we could say we're like halfway through with it. Um, in the grand scheme, and in the particular scheme, of course, you know, the, the jump gun has been released fairly feature complete as the aircraft itself. But of course, we promise to deliver more with it than usual, which includes the A version, um, which uh, we have just begun testing with it now. Uh, that is the engine performance and stuff, and whether it works as a separate module and so on. We're still missing up, but here's the artwork to be finished. Um, then the Forestal, of course, uh, as we promised, is going to come soon, which is also going towards completion now. Um, then we still have two campaigns outstanding, um, uh, one for the B and one for the A version. And uh, then Jester Lantern is still something uh, we have not finished yet. We're still waiting to implement the API changes for the Phoenix missile, so that works properly. And most likely, uh, we will also, you know, maybe have a look at the damage model, external damage model. Uh, the internal damage model is, is is very complete, in fact. And uh, then at the very end, uh, what is still missing is the promised AI planes. Of course, uh, the A6 for the Tomcat and the Draken for the Vigil. Awesome. Pretty, pretty good list. I always, I always say in development or it's something that I, I read somewhere. It's not something I came up with, but it's like the last 10% is the last 50% of all the work in, in development. Or more even sometimes. More. Yeah. It yeah, stretches sure. out. And, and one of the, the problems is and where we, we kindly ask your patience guys is of course that once the module has been released, the maintenance of modules is, dispersed among developers differently than when you have that final push on a release where all the effort is focused on that one module and finishing this and getting that done. After that, of course, the resources are again more limited in that sense that you cannot have everybody just focus on this and everybody just focus on that. So it takes a little bit longer and some features does drag out, especially since because once the module is released, one big thing is being added to the whole process and that is bug fixing and that is of course still something that is ongoing with all the changes recently we had the lighting changes um that were a big thing because the whole dcs lighting has changed and stuff like that will always require our attention from now and then and uh, basically topple our internal plans so you say you this week we're gonna do the forestal and then something happens and you say okay damn it 
we have to refocus on what's happened now because that's actually an issue that you know makes it unplayable or makes it not enjoyable or it's a really huge immersion breaker things that we cannot really you know put on our customers in the meantime so we have to refocus do that and then you know that week of doing work on the forestal or on the a or whatever and then gets postponed unfortunately and that's why these processes after release drag out more than when you have a non-released module where you can simply focus on the completion of systems or parts of it rather than fixing what is already there that makes sense and it's probably something that i mean even i hadn't even thought about that until you mentioned it, is that dcs is kind of an ever-evolving platform that you guys started writing for version x and it continues to move in you know the right direction uh and then you guys have to constantly fix things that they've made additions to or ch like you said change the lighting and now all the lighting's messed up and in, in your modules and you guys got to fix it so that that's an interesting point i hadn't thought about that yeah we're yeah. a bit prisoner to that process one could say you know and i don't mean this in the negative way that's just how it is. And we all knew what we signed up for, you know, but basically it's a lifelong <laughs> commitment mm -hmm. to keep that thing running for you guys. And uh, that's something we just kindly ask you to keep in mind. How much lead time do you normally have uh, in understanding what the changes will be uh, for the core <laughs> product? Uh, like zero, almost. Unless they tell us or they give us a heads up, which usually doesn't happen. Like that, that lighting thing just kind of appeared. Mm. I was working on another feature and I got in the cockpit to test it and couldn't read any of the lights. So then I told uh, Cobra about it and that was the first we had really known. And then the patch came out like two days later. So interesting. We couldn't really move fast enough to react to it. I want to say here in ED's defense, you know, that's not like neglect or you know, ill intent or something like that. It's the internal versions sometimes change due to something they have to do, you know, which mm -hmm. probably falls across their feet just as it does for us. They make that change because they feel it's necessary. They push it with that, what we have already built. Suddenly there might be a slight mismatch, yada, yada, and boom, things are broken again, you know. So it's on a shifting ground, it's very hard to predict stuff and that's why i don't want to point fingers at it and saying like it's there no, no not at all Telling i don't think there's that, any finger pointing yeah. no I, I and it shouldn't be you know it's because when we tell them and and we have an internalized process with them that works actually really well in the meantime and, and they're making huge efforts to be more communicative as well and, and, and improve on all parts so everybody's really pulling together at the moment to make things right and make things work that's just something i want to mention at that point yeah yeah and, I think and this that, new uh i think this new approach where the patches are coming out once a month actually makes it a lot easier to uh develop and fully test features before you can uh send them out to the public and it probably helps their communication too yeah They're i mean they they constantly scrambling right yeah they make updates to the uh the development version which is usually like a few versions ahead of open beta uh, several times a week. So it's always getting updates. And then once every two weeks or now, I guess once every month, that version uh, will go out to the public as it gets updated. But we get updates faster than that. That's good. That sounds like a better process for sure. Yes, and, then, and they're, they're currently also very much fixed on bug fixing, which a lot of people have been demanding. And it's again, you know, it's this you always have to balance. You have to have new modules, you know, um, so things are moving and then you can sustain your business at the same time. You got to make time to have these fundamental fixes, you know, that then again are subject to the changes that follow. It's like it's a never ending circle, you know. Yep, makes sense. You brought up uh, the AIM 54 missile logic. Is, is that something that we can expect? soon or is there still some hold up there um i think we can expect it soon because we're currently working on it again also together with ed in this matter but uh, i i don't i cannot promise it for the next patch let's see okay. um how the testing turns out uh at the moment it seems as if it's not completely working as it should yet and that's why we rather not 
fix it before we break more, you know, than what's working at the moment, which is a compromise, of course. And we know it's an issue online. It's an issue for some people who fly against the Tomcat as well as people who fly with the Tomcat. We're very aware of that. And uh, we'll try to fix that as soon as possible. Awesome. Okay, so that's a promise. <laughs> that's a promise. We will fix it. But uh, if it's in one, two, three, five, or six weeks, I yeah. cannot promise. But we will, of course, it's one of the priority issues yep. uh, and one of the priority focuses for us at the moment. So um, expect to have something move on, on that front, uh, definitely. I think right now there's only like one or two items that didn't work when we were trying to use this new missile API, which is also changing because ED is working on the AIM-120. It seems like they're changing some uh, some things in the in the API for guidance logic. Yeah, I think so, we saw patch notes about some changes that have already gone through too. Yeah, the, so hopefully the they're patch. solidifying those changes to the missile guidance API. So uh, in theory, that might help us figure out the last remaining issues with the um, AIM-54 stuff. That's cool. It actually might be better too, because if they're building it with the intent that you're going to use it, they can yeah. test everything and then just say, hey, here's what you got to do. That'd I mean, be cool. One but, of the other issues is that sometimes if we're using older APIs, we get something to work for a while, but then they update something and then it breaks. And then we have to go back and it creates double work. Um, so we want to try to avoid things like that also. Yeah, you have to reverse. Then often you make fixes, they break before it's released, so you have to put in almost the same amount of time. Yeah, like the, the automatic carrier landing system. All those fixes, so it's not even worse. Yeah, it can be. You know, sometimes it's a big back and forth, but that's that's often how it is in, in any creation process. You, you you need trial and error as well, and you cannot always predict everything and be on point with everything. Unfortunately, yeah, that makes sense. So, <clears throat> um, maybe for those that don't know, what are some of the changes that are coming to this flight model or the M fifty four in general? Um, once this, this patch can be released? So the flight model will not change. The, the flight model is, has, has been done, in our opinion, very accurately to existing data, which in the AIM-54 is fairly available. And um, all that is, based, by the way, covered in the white paper, um, which you know we published that. I, I think even you talked about that, Javis, a while way before the release. So everything flight model data actually is, is fairly accurate or is very accurate, I would say. Um, the thing that is not correct at the moment is the guidance. So the things that will change is um, what's happening is that the M54 behaves like a normal active missile uh, that is as the M120 used to behave. That means it flies out to the target, then it goes active at a certain range to the target and so forth. That is um, currently the case in TWS as well in STT, but it shouldn't be because in STT it should be a fully SARA guided missile and behave like an AIM-7 rather than an AIM-120. And in TWS, it as well as STT guide, uh, SARA guided until it goes active, which is 16 seconds time to impact and not on a specific range. So that range can differ uh, depending on the closure rate of the target, the altitude, the distance from it, and so on, how fast the missile is arriving, and uh, how much distance is left between it and the target at those 16 seconds. Additionally, the Org9 can send an active signal to the to the Phoenix if uh, um, the target is lost, because the Org9 can store track files for up to two minutes, so it will send the Phoenix active into the last suspected direction of the target. Uh, so these are the changes that will come. And uh, the bug, however, that it is always active that existed seems to be fixed for me. It doesn't seem to die all the time anymore. It just seems to go straight now when lock is broken, for example, in STT. However, if you're within that seven nautical miles of that missile, it will still go active, which probably in an STT shot. I have to ask Gyro back there, but I think it's also wrong. So these are the things that will change. It's the guidance, not the flight model. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think the the thing you were talking about, where if you're an STT and it would you break the lock and it still goes after the target, uh, I think people are referring to that as magic INS in the in the uh, community. I think that's the a weird one, name for that, but yes. Yeah, well, I think that the, 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 the missile knows where the missile is. 
because the <laughs> missile knows where the missile isn't, right? <clears throat> yeah, it knows where it is because it knows where it is. One of the best videos ever. But anyway, <laughs> um, the the magic INS refers to more than that. It refers to the missile or to previously the missile being always active. And it is. I will not confirm or deny that this bug is still existing because it appears to me that it's not, but it has not been tested yet um, very methodically in order to to you know say it is fixed or not. I just have not seen it yet again. But the the magic INS was also, for example, missiles guiding through terrain, right? So if you're behind the mountain, the missile will still continue to guide, which it shouldn't, you know. Um, right. But that is that was the case also for the AIM sevens and so on. You know, the INS of the missiles is something we cannot influence. So that's something that ED is most likely working on, and that will then also benefit the uh, AIM fifty four because of course the missile shouldn't guide the target actively. That's flying behind the mountain ridge line, etc. Sure, that makes sense. I think the thing you were talking about earlier um, with the the distance of going active versus time to impact. So the time to impact, the 16 seconds, is that something that that's just a standard or is there, uh, is there a way for the Rio to tell the missile to go active? I think there is an active command, but I don't want to say anything on that because I'd either have to ask uh, Nakai or... I'm like 99% sure that that's true. I think the Rio yeah, can force you to go active. Yeah, it's the, the active switch, but I'd, I'd have to ask. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. And then just for reference, so so the listeners know the the range that you were saying was seven miles. I think it's 15 kilometers. It's yes, written seven. hard-coded as 15 kilometers, yes. which is like seven, seven and a half miles. Yeah. Um, but I think that's interesting because the, the gameplay dynamic is going to change a lot because um, currently with AIM 120s, you know, depending on range and I would, I wouldn't even say currently because all that stuff is currently in flux, um, and, and distances are changing, but let's say a couple months ago and, and well before that, usually when you get the active tone, you knew you had a certain amount of time because you knew, uh, and when your RWR went off, that thing was at 15 kilometers away from you and you could gauge usually distance and time and speed uh you had you know anywhere from four to seven seconds to try to figure out how to get rid of that missile but if it's 16 now that's a huge difference um 16 seconds you know i mean it's i don't think it's that huge a difference well it's like triple the time of the warning system yes is my my thought yeah did you run the numbers in that because i haven't yet um yeah, it really just depends on your speed. But. Yeah, because it, it really depends on the speed and, and the distance the missile was fired. The, the, the speed of the missiles, you know, so you'd have to make probably certain scenarios for certain situations and then compare, you know. Of course, the difference that w- what I can say without running numbers is it's going to be dynamic versus it hasn't been. So before, and of course, in, in that fact, you're definitely right. A, it will be longer in a lot of cases for sure. So you will have more warning time. Um, secondly, it will uh, be dynamic. That means that you will have to estimate a little bit yourself, you know, how close is that to me now uh, when I get the warning. And of course, the faster you are, you know, it's going to be different, very much different if you fly very fast or very slow. But um, uh, it's going to be alleviated by the fact that um, the midterm guidance is going to be a bit much, a bit better for the missile because it will not have this active hook at the end. You know what I mean? This yeah, yeah, yeah. It, where end, it just turns hard to the target. Yeah, it bleeds off a lot of, so mm-hmm. you know, um, you will get maybe an earlier warning, but you will also get a missile that is bleeding less energy while flying towards you. So I think it's going to be a bit balanced in that sense, but it's definitely, in my opinion, going to be more interesting because you will have uh, more means to defeat the missiles as you should. And the Tomcat drivers and Rios will have to uh, counter that in into their tactical approach when shooting at people. And, you know, maybe the 16 nautical mass shots will not be that effective anymore in that sense that people will, of course, in such a shot, get a much further or much earlier warning and be able to notch the missile easier than, uh, than before. Uh, yeah, that and accompanied by a tactic that you could force the missile at a much longer distance to go active and they would get the warning 
And you could almost play the system a little bit and confuse your target, you know, oh, that thing's 16 seconds out or whatever that they're expecting, but let's say it's 30 instead. Well, uh, I'm not sure if you gain something with that unless you want to spook a guy. That's what I mean, yeah. You're, yeah. you're not going to, you're probably more less likely to hit, but you're more likely to get him to go defensive quickly, quicker, yeah. right? For a defensive shot, that's great, you know. I mean, yeah. but one, one miss, you know, it's always the first, every missile warning subsequent to the first missile warning is subsequent to the first missile warning means right, right. a missile already being defended most of the times, you know, so. Right, right. It's it's of course nice if you can if you could push that active signal to be later, but that's not possible. Makes sense. Um, let's switch over to uh, Jester. How's how's the development on Jester coming along? Are we getting? You mentioned earlier we're getting uh, Lantern uh, functionality, and that's that's uh, on the table, and we've heard about that for a little bit. Um, yeah, that's something where we need to take. Uh, I think a couple of things need to be finished, and then it's the thing with Lantern, just the Lantern, is this we want to also bring a fix with it that will allow players to disable either Jester or the human Rio online while in flight. That means you can turn off your human and you will get Jester back. You can turn off Jester as the pilot and you will get your human Rio back. This will help that when a Rio gets disconnected online, the Jester part is gone. You know, like until now, unfortunately, we're so when a Rio gets disconnected, nine out of ten cases, your Jester will not work anymore. Um, you know, basically, you have to land or pick a new aircraft because of it. So this will be an option so that you know you lose your Rio, you can just re-enable Jester, and it will override that. But in order for that to be possible, we need to disallow any kind of reachback functionality from in or how could I word that better? It will not be possible anymore for real inputs to be modded available for the pilot. And this will disable the Lantern pilot mod. Uh, so we need to wait on this experimental part of the affording that is being built at the same time than all the changes that you're getting in at the moment so that we're ready with that because once that comes in pilot lantern mod will not be able will not be available anymore or whatever mods uh, people are using in order to have real inputs available for the pilot is that was that too complicated was that understandable no i, th I think that makes sense yeah there's a mod right now where you can have and, and i've used it and I, I used it to make that uh that video about the uh the easter egg um recently where you can as a pilot you can make inputs to move the lantern and target things uh without leaving the front seat not getting in the back seat uh so you'll disable that but but you guys want to obviously make sure that everything's working really solid because disabling that could could cause problems right exactly so <clears throat> once once we're far enough for that and then we still need to record just the stuff for the lantern uh we will bring both the lantern and that fix for online which will allow you know for better online play and more modularity with what's going on in your backseat, more control for the pilot or let's say the owner of the aircraft, right? And um, at the same time, you will get uh, just a lantern, but these mods unfortunately will not be possible there anymore. That's also not a thing of whether we want to or not. We don't mind mods in any kind of way. Mods are always awesome, and people should have their choices, but it's a necessity from how the uh, multi-crew jester part will be recoded for this online fix to work. So it's unfortunately nothing we have a choice. I got it. So uh, will it be possible to, um, so let's say you're playing online, you get some random person jumps in your cockpit or in your backseat, you're flying along and you're like, this guy sucks. Can you kick him and re-enable uh, jester? You can re-enable jester. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it's also cool because now you can really give people scenic rides you know i mean you can you could fly an entire engagement with jester to show something to somebody who's sitting in your backseat without appearing with that and vice versa oh so they can still be in there it's it's not yes. a matter of them not being in the seat they can still be in the seat and you can yeah. do everything that's yeah. awesome so you, like you know that. you will be, you'll be able to fly and have jester doing all the stuff and the rio is just going to be a passenger basically that's super cool. Um, 
What other what other features for Jester are, are you guys looking at implementing? Is there anything that's uh, let's not not small but big features that that he's missing that you guys could um, add, or anything you guys want to improve in the future? Apart from the lantern, really big features, no. There's nothing really planned beyond what he's doing. I mean, I think I think he's fairly. I know a lot of people have issues in DVR. And I think we will, you know, always keep retouching on that logic if possible a bit. But Jester is also a very complicated system. And it's something where I, you know, on the code side cannot speak to how much work it is. And often, you know, when I ask Twitter, uh, hey, can we throw in that menu thing or can we change that a little bit? The answer is yes, if we are prepared to invest that amount of time in it, because even smallest menu changes for Jester, something like that, is all very complicated and takes a lot of time. So I see. Um, it, it has to be balanced versus, you know, what is the kind of output and where can we really improve something for the player? And I think that's maybe a little bit of straighter logic, you know, um, think of how TWS, TWS8, RWS management can be a little bit easier maybe for the pilot through Jester and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so there's not really any huge feature about the Lantern in the size of the Lantern feature that is really planned for Jester after that. Yeah, and I think I think it was you that said in a in a different interview, um, probably before just when the F14 had come out that Jester is not a replacement for a good human Rio. No, uh, but I think he does a fairly good job in replacing a human Rio. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, emphasis on the word good. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, of course, he's a limited AI, you know, and, and it's somebody asked a couple of days ago, I think, you know, why the menus are situational and if we see Jester's brain, you know, you don't see Jester's brain, but you see his thoughts, you know. And and I jokingly said, you know, somehow we assume that you assume that he assumes what you assume. You know, that's kind of the thought lines so because it's actually your speech options for him, right? Uh, however, you know, we cannot know that, but Jester does because of his situational awareness and his structure so that he is situational in his actions and options that he foremost offers to you. So if you're an add-to-ground, his main focus will be add-to-ground, but his other focuses like scanning the radar, sanitizing the sky, looking outside of the window, checking for stuff and so on, will still be active, you know. Um, so it's a feedback loop between between the pilot and, and Jester. And that's that makes sense. That's going to make it tough to debug too. Yes, I'm sure it is, you know. I mean, Swither's done an incredibly amazing job with creating the AI, and of course it's a limited AI. But in fact, you know, it's it's something that has never existed in in, in that sense, and not to that extent. So I think he's done a really great work, and I know that there are still issues, like often getting the unable, you know, can can't do, no can do. Sorry, you know, I mean it's 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 become a little bit of a meme for some guys, but. Um, Honestly, I have to say, for me, I don't have this issue because I know Jester by now so well that I know that, you know, if there's no bandit explicitly showing on the tit, then lock enemy target ahead is the wrong choice. You know, you just have to go target ahead or by priority or something like that. So you also have to figure in, you know, and know Jester's limitations in order to make him very effective. And he will never be as effective as a human Rio because in that feedback loop, the Rio can anticipate uh, what you're thinking while Jester can only react on what you're thinking and then propose his own as in you have to switch the air to ground switch for him to be in the air to ground mode. You know, a Rio will already know through the context and discussion with you in about 15 seconds, we're going to enter an air to ground. So I'm already going to set up the weapons and whatnot, you know? So right, right. This, is, this is the huge difference, of course, that Jester cannot and never will be able to achieve is to have a mindset that is anticipating what you as a pilot are and need and want. Makes sense. Um, okay, well, let, let's move on to the carrier, but real quick, I want to ask a couple questions that were posed by the community. I think they're relatively probably short answers. Um, so I'm just going to ask them here real fast. One of them was, 
why is the F-14 stick from VKB and Heat Blur not true to size? The competitor seems more accurate. I'm guessing the competitor is Verbal in this case. Um, but you guys want to take a stab at that at all? Yeah, uh, I would say that it would surprise me if Verbal's is closer because I think the VKB one is based off laser scans of a real stick that we gave them. So that makes it sense. Yeah, I think unless in... they uh, unless they messed up something in the manufacturing or design process, I, I would say that the, it, it's likely the VKB is more accurate. But I, I don't I don't own the Verbal, so I don't know. Where where did you get your stick? I think they 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 laser scanned an actual cockpit, not yes. Just so the what stick. what we did oh. with VKB to explain that maybe a little bit more is we scanned the Tomcat stick for the F fourteen, and we gave them our laser scan so they could develop the stick based on these scans. So it's very accurate stick based off on these scans, and it was also sent to our SMEs who uh, commented in on it, and then small corrections were made and. That's why we assume it's the more accurate stick, be that how it may. The verbal stick is also a very good stick. Don't get us wrong on that. It's just that we don't know where they got their data from. All we can comment on is that the laser scans and off of which it is based on uh, for the VKP sticks are very accurate. And that's um, why we would assume that because of the verbal stick being a bit bigger, this is the more accurate size, but the Verbal stick is also a great F14 stick, and uh, you know, quality-wise, I think they're both right up there with each other. Yeah, and I, I have a review on both, um, and I don't think you can go wrong with either one. There's there's issues with each one individually, and they're both completely different issues. But I don't think either one is bad at all. Yeah, I mean, they're both. Um, so it's yeah. going to be preference. If you're in the VKB eco- ecosystem, it makes ecosystem rather. It makes sense to get that one. If you're not and you want swappability that Verbal offers, then then that's the way to go too. So, um, okay, move on from that. Uh, is there any chance uh, that we'll get a less weathered looking cockpit? No. Okay. Perfect. It, it like would nine. it <laughs> would cost two years of development to recreate the same and less weathered and and. Uh, there's this actually you know if you watch the video where david baronek is bio is flying with a dsnza um the fly along you know i don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen the video maybe you can put a link into the description below if you go to 20 minutes and 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> he will comment upon how realistic the cockpit looks and that's just how it was even yeah. a couple of weeks in, into service and, you know we have multiple SMEs that all said that the it yeah. looks about what it looked like if you would find one out on a carrier, like on a cruise. Some SMEs commented that the, the screws would not have rust on it, that that would be basically, you know, they would say, like, what's up with your maintenance here? Um, we thought it added um, that connection to salt sea, that kind of stuff. And it's nothing they really said that would be, you know, it's a minor thing. That was the only comment, but the rest, the pain, the scratches, everything of that, that's very much as it was. And uh, it was a necessity due to, you know, seawater and ocean being very corrosive, very aggressive. So you had to repaint quickly. It did not scratch off the paints. They repainted it just over it and so on. But I think it's also nice because, you know, it tells little stories about everybody who worked on that aircraft and left their traces in it. But Tastes differ, I know that. So I think this is something that, that mods will have to solve. Uh, if people want to mod that, you know, we, we support any kind of mods in that direction. It's great if people have choices, but for us to do that on the same level, it's just too much investment. Yeah, and I think that I think that there's are there are mods out there already to uh, fill that void. So I think I think there's no reason to do it if if the, you can just get a mod anyway. Um, I also think that maybe some of the complaint is that it's hard to read some of the labels because of the weathering, which is fine. Probably, like you said, more realistic. And uh, the difference being that uh, to sympathize with, with the listener who had this question is that maybe the, the reason this comes up is because it's hard to read the labels, you can't figure out where things are. It's hard to find things. Whereas somebody who's flown this plane has gone through sims that are probably not weather damaged and they know from muscle memory and everything so um but whatever there's mods we understand that and, and there's a readability but i think also this is an issue that k 
carries on for maybe, let's be generous, a month or two. And then once you get familiarized with a cockpit and know where everything is, and you know, this I think is then an issue which is which is less of a thing, you know, because the, the lights and those kind of gauges, they I think are fairly readable. But again, if somebody disagrees, that's totally fine. You know, I mean, everybody has a different perception and a different taste, and and that's why it's so important that we have mods who who, who offer choices then for people. Yep, totally agree. Um, what about uh, the, so I, I guess I'm just going to read this question because it's quite long and quite complex and hard to filter <laughs> down, but it says, We're, we are aware of the plethora of F-14 skins, especially due to the fact that there is no dynamic modex available. And with the A coming along, this is even more pronounced. Is there a dynamic modex something in your planning to do? Okay. Uh, the Community A4 has found a nice way to handle multiple locations and sizes. Will you consider community contribution skins for the F-14, in particular foreign, fictional foreign liveries available by the community? I think that last part we don't really need to answer, but what about the dynamic modex problem? So the problem with the dynamic modex in the F-14 is that the fonts, the, the, the size, it's, it's not only different in between squadrons, it's also difference within squadrons, skins and different variations of skins. So the solution is not very easy um, to make a you know modifiable modex as in other aircraft where where it's less apparent that font and look of, of the entire modex is, is quite different. Uh, it's something we know is a request from people and, and it is important to some. I find it important as well. It's not nice if you fly a four ship with one on ones all next to other. I understand that very much possibility would maybe be to add four skins per so you have a 101 102 103 and 104 which i think would be nice as well uh but we have to see we we haven't really gotten around to pin to point our finger and say this is the solution we're gonna go with it's it's not an easy matter we know it's an issue we have it on our mind it's on the list but uh, that's unfortunately all i can say to this at the moment okay fair enough uh, and then I'm going to go ahead and throw my plus one in here just because. Uh, but but uh, this question reads, my friend had this idea. Would it be possible to add key bindings so that you, rather you or the pilot uh, or the Rio, uh, can stick his middle finger up in whatever direction <laughs> you're looking? Uh, <laughs> and it stays there till you let go. <laughs> I personally think we should add this. I think it was the first thing that C.V. Lemoyne asked, you know, when, when they tried the Tomcat and they did what everybody does in the beginning. Hey, look, I can look over. Hey, can you look over? Can you see me leaning? Yeah, I can see you leaning. He asked, can I flick you off? <laughs> That's awesome. So it will be cool. We'll, let's see. <laughs> well, I look forward to that in the next patch. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yes, yesterday, two weeks. <laughs> Um, okay, let's switch over to uh, to the carrier. So we have the forest roll coming. Uh, how how's progress on that going, Andrew? I think I'm talking so much. Um, um, I, I don't. I haven't really been keeping tabs on that one personally. Um, as far as I know, right. I think a lot of the art stuff is done, but uh, a lot of the carrier interface code uh, or the APIs like shifting around because of the super carrier. So. Um, Beyond that, I can't really say much because I don't know because the, the the people working on that are uh, not in this chat room. Okay. And I Fair haven't really asked them about it. Do you know if, um, like, functionality-wise, are we getting uh, the same kind of deck crew animations from the supercarrier stuff, or is that just not apply because it has to totally be redone? Or I think the current plan is to basically make it uh, on feature parity with what the... Uh, the Stennis was. Okay. And the decision to allow crew and animations and all that stuff would probably be up to EDU. It would be a massive amount of work for us to duplicate all that work for a, basically what's like a bonus add-on to the Tomcat module. Right. Makes sense. Now, if, it, if you're wiring into all of the supercarrier stuff, I'm assuming that means that it'll have the basic functionality that the Stennis has, unless you have the supercarrier, then it'll have the extended stuff? Mm, uh, Actually, that's a great idea. <laughs> that would be cool. I mean, 
I mean, that's actually Jabbers, you know, I mean, to, to, to be honest, I, it, this didn't cross my mind yet. And maybe this is something we can actually spin on and ask yeah. you about if that would be a possibility because this, I think, is a solution that could make both sides happy. So this is actually, yeah. I think, a really great idea you just suggested we might not have even thought about. I'll take uh, any extra revenue you guys get. I'll I'll take it. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I think a lot of the a lot of the answer to that question would be up to ED, like what they'd be willing to give us out of their supercarrier work to put onto our carrier. So I think a lot of it's really up if we ask them and they want to say yes. I mean, it no. feels like to me that it would just be a lot of the just the ATC stuff. I mean, if you're not doing the deck crew animations, then I mean, just hook into the ATC yeah. stuff. It's always the question. You know, before we get too excited on this, the question is always implementation. How easy is it to separate yet another carrier into two modules? And, you know, I mean, is it is it even feasible uh, and so forth? You know, I mean, uh, one of the questions that is also, um, how you would say, what's the English word? Sorry, give me a second. I'll start this again. So one of the questions that's that's basically being dealt with between ED and us is also how is it for the Rio if the pilot owns the carrier and the Rio does not own the carrier and stuff like that. So it's it's not so straightforward always in terms of well, it's a great idea, let's just do it. You know, um, So we'll have to see, it's like Andrew says, ultimately something that ED needs to decide upon. And the one thing that we can promise is, of course, that it's going to be on parity feature-wise with the Stannis, which, of course, I know is not much of a promise especially for those who own the supercarrier and who by now know how nice it is to have that crew, to have the proper ATC and so forth. But again, it's something we need to come to a feasible solution together with ED, and then we will see where it gets from there. But at the same time, it's still going to be a great experience because it's a vastly different carrier to all the carriers that we have. It's going to be very accurate. It's going to have you know, um, a smaller landing area, Different cables are different than, than on the um, on, on the carriers that we had before, and so forth. It's and I think it's going to add a lot to the immersion overall, uh, whether it's implemented on super carrier or. That's pretty cool. Is it have is it different wire system or cable? Sorry, it's five. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought it was five. Five. I didn't want to stick my foot in my mouth though. Well, that's cool. Um, I don't really have anything else on the carrier specifically. Do you guys have anything you want to talk about on it, or that pretty much cover it? I think we can. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's move on to uh, the Vigan. So uh, I guess just like the question that we first asked with the F-14, what, what is left to do to make the Vigan feature complete? Is there anything big, outstanding? Or is it all just bug fixes and little things? Uh, um, well, uh, I, I can say much for um, the art stuff. Uh, I, I know that there are things that they want to update in, in, in the, the cockpit uh, related to, to new technology that's available in, in, in the graphically in, in DCSA. But I, I, I don't know anything about that. But I, I've, I think that there's uh, some ideas there to do. And, and But most, most things that we're been doing for quite a long time now is is like uh, fixing small small things that crops up i would say that there, there has been a lot of work with uh, regressions stuff that used to work that <laughs> uh, somehow stops working and um, that's uh, i guess that was like the main work for for quite some time uh, for I don't know how uh, how technical I should get, but for for myself at least, um, what, what I've been doing is uh, trying to uh, like reduce technical depth because Vigan um, has been in development for for seven years now, and uh, at least in the beginning, I, I tried to move as fast as possible to get something done, and those things come back and haunt you. That, that... I feel your pain there. <laughs> Tech tech that is awful. Yeah, yeah, and and you you guys are gonna experience this too with the F fourteen. I, I promise you. Um, <laughs> but uh, so so I've been uh, working uh, with stuff that that maybe 
the end user doesn't really notice that much. Like I think one one uh, one uh, issue that has been taking a long time is memory safety uh, to to. Uh, make sure that uh, everything is correct when 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 uh, reading and, and writing memory in, in the module and one thing you can notice with when, when this doesn't work is that when you run uh, the module and then you like watch a replay and everything uh, doesn't happen as the way it it worked uh, it happened uh, first time you you flew the plane like maybe you turn something on and then made a right turn, but then when you watch it again, the plane uh, turns around and crashes into into the ground instead. I think that we see that in, I mean, more than just the Viggen. I I see that in a lot of my, the Spitfire does it, the uh, MiG-21 does it, F-14 does it. Tomcat is definitely guilty. Yeah, I didn't realize that was a memory issue or a, or a memory. It can be. It's it's not yeah. always, but uh, in 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 C plus plus, if you don't, uh, if you're not careful, uh, it could. Uh, it does it doesn't it does allow you to to read like a garbage memory. Oh, I see. So uh, that's interesting. I I had thought it was a side effect of just how the replay system went because I mean I guess this makes sense now that you're you're saying it, but. Um, you know the replay system. I, I would say the replay system in DCS breaks for every plane given en- enough time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and and uh, I, I can I can uh, confirm that too because I've uh, watched lots of uh, replays sure. of uh, and and uh, it's not only like the vegan uh, that does uh, strange things, but right. also the AI and, and everything. Uh, yeah, that's that's funny. Does different things. I, I think just to give the listeners some clarity, so that the. There's two ways to do a replay system. You can do it based on physics, which is how DCS works, right? It, it induces the same physics rather than recording position rotation uh, on a time scale. Is that fairly accurate? Yes. So, yeah, D- so yeah. uh, if you watch a multiplayer, tra- so, if you, so as example, if you watch a track back from a server and there's nobody playing on the server, it's all people it's all people playing from external sources on a server. The server's replay track will be more accurate in terms of what happened because it's based off of a position and rotation on a timescale system versus physics, correct? I, I think that's accurate. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like recording the kinematics right. or whatever or something like just positions and things like that and playing them back, whereas um, normally DCS tracks are deterministic, so it like records all your inputs and then tries to replay those exactly back in and if you have like a memory problem or something else you can get tracks that don't work i know we're probably going too deep for the listeners here but i don't i don't care because it's interesting <laughs> to me um yeah i that that's that's actually pretty cool i i didn't glad you said something about that it's interesting it's, i think to hear that and you know in the tomcat which which makes it even more difficult is the multi-group yeah yeah you know i mean when when the when the replay and track system and so on for for DCS was developed, nobody even remotely thought anything like multi-crew. Maybe a bit, you know, I was somewhere, but something like gesture and so on. That was surely not on 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 the most foremind when that was created. So um, this caused additional issues as well. And that's why we don't have a rewind system, is because it's really hard to rewind physics versus. Versus if you look at something like X-Plane, X-Plane is recording position, rotation on time and basically tweening the difference between, which is given point A and B at this point in time, I should be here. Um, and so because of that, you can reverse that logic, right? And you can you can fast forward time, you can go backwards, you can go forward, doesn't matter. Um, but in DCS, we can only move forward. <laughs> you can't even, it's realistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, interesting. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And I think we re- recuperate the flight from the replay. Right? You could like go back in the replay and then fly from that point on. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've used that a couple times. Um, Very cool feature. Uh, It'd be nice to have. That. Well, I mean, it's also it's... I can see it from a development standpoint. It's really cool, and this is probably why ED wants you to submit tracks for bugs. Is they can replay it, and rather than replaying something and getting uh, you know, feedback on where where the person was. It's actually doing the input, so they can make a change, replay, and see if it fixes it. Make a change, replay, and see if it fixes it. That that makes sense from yeah, that standpoint. In a, in a sense, that's a really good method of trying to do that, but because it's so broken, it doesn't really work. And it well, on top of that, a flight model change would break a replay. Period. Yeah. Also, yeah. 
Interesting. Interesting. I wish, and, and if ED is listening, here's a feature uh, for you. Uh, I wish you could choose your type of recording. I wish you could say, I only want you to record position and, and, and rotation and based on time. Uh, I don't know what the right word for that is. And then, and then if, if you're replaying a track, we could rewind and fast forward. That'd be amazing. But if you're submitting a bug, it has to be done on the other replay system. Like that would be the best of both worlds, in my opinion. Yeah. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Awesome. Well, th- <laughs> thanks for opening my eyes to that, Ragnar. Um, sorry to cut you yeah. off there. But basically, what I'm understanding is you're kind of going back and, and fixing all of the uh, the tech debt that you had, um, developing and trying to push quickly and get get the Vigan out um, on on time. I think all modules probably share that. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's a. I mean, even in the world of software that I, which is business related, that I work in, um, we we get that problem. You know, you get you have a release date and you're a month out and you're like, crap, we got to get all these features fixed. And you start coding and you're like, to do, to do, to do <laughs> in the code. Yep. You're like, we'll fix this after we release it. This, this will get us by, it'll release it. Now you got to go back and, you know, commented, commented out code and, and, and to do's, uh, that's always tech debt. The thing in Ragnar's case is that we push like 15 commits, maybe during the week, and then you will have one patch note for that. Yeah. <laughs> see you know i mean right right not everything is something people need to know there's a lot more work going on behind the scenes on the vegan that uh i think is just not visible to the public and i'm also also going through and um, fixing like we have uh, still bugs of course i would say not everything is very detrimental to to the player experience but um uh, people keep i guess if if people take the time to report it to us uh, we have to take it serious and then Try to fix it for them. Right, that makes sense. But um, yeah, there, there's smaller issues that uh, are still getting fixed. How how far along do you think you guys are percentage wise on the Vigan? Like, are we getting close to it being completely done? And um, I mean, obviously, it's probably never going to be completely done, but considered done. Yeah, um, cut out a little bit there, but oh, I think uh, I know what you said. Well, th- that's a really tough question because um, we we have to consider it done at some point. the The, the thing is, um, uh, we have to at least for 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 like a past year or past two years, maybe uh, most of uh, the work has been uh, to like keep it updated. Uh, and and working with DCS, I, I don't think uh, people realize that quite a bit of work because there's like not only the the, the light changes that uh, that are visible to to the end users, uh, also there's a lot of changes in in their um, uh, what's called SDK. Uh, it's their software development kit, and we have to make sure that uh, our module is compatible with with dcs so so quite a lot of work uh, is put into just making it run in, in new versions of uh, dcs having said that um, of course we want to to like as long as there are players uh, in dcs and and like it's a platform that, that is alive and, and very much much looks like it uh, because um, we can see that there are new new uh, DCS players uh, coming in uh, all the time, and 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 the world is expanding. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, our aim is to 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 support DCS, which is quite likely a, <laughs> a lifetime uh, commitment. But where am I going with this? Yeah, uh, the, that's. That's our, I think, our main goal to to make it work, uh, and and also we have some things we really want to do um, that uh, I think uh, at least the art guys uh, have talked about. Uh, I, I don't want to promise anything uh, that they will do, but as I said before, there's some cockpit changes and, and stuff uh, that they want to implement. But I, I'm I'm pretty sure that we won't. Uh, let's say like this. I'm I'm very sure that we won't be adding new features to the vegan, more fix stuff. But we're not planning to to like add something uh, new. I think think there are some missions coming up, tutorials and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, 
basically overall the the the, the module is fairly complete you got you got bug fixes to do and then then and then the missions and maybe some some artwork are, are you do you mean like uh more skins more more or just updates to the current art I think they want to do some more skins. I'm I'm uh, I'm not sure, but I I, I believe so. It's uh, I think so. Um, and then one of the one of the community questions was: Do you guys plan on doing the JA thirty seven interceptor variant in the future? Is that anything you can talk about or no? No, uh, <laughs> no, no comments. Okay. But but um, that's a yes um, and a no. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. For now, it's a no. For now, it's a no. Got it. Um, it would be kind of cool, though. Yeah, I think uh, anything that can well, be added to DCS is cool. Personally, I, I, I mean, even if it doesn't shoot stuff, I, I prefer the flight model in DCS over other flight sims. So, great addition for sure. Yeah, let's leave it at that. <laughs> um, okay. Well. We're kind of running out of time here, so um, I'll just wrap up here with uh, asking you guys, what's the what's the foreseeable future uh, of Heatbler entail? Obviously, we have the fi- the fifteen, uh, sorry, the fourteen, uh, the carrier, the Vigan. They're all kind of coming to a point where we're closing up everything. Obviously, a year from now or however long that is. Um, but do you guys have anything? That you're thinking about, even if you don't want to talk about it specifically, that uh, could be something in the future for DCS or anything on that regard. Say so, like we want to finish what we started first and deliver on our promises first before we delve into thinking about what comes next. I think we owe that the community, you know, and I think early access, as much as it might be a necessity, is also something that has to be treated with with great care towards the customer so this has and must be our main focus until that is done and then i think we can start you know dreaming a bit more of what could be afterwards and so on and certainly you know it's not that we don't have ideas or personal wishes or whatever you know i mean all of that is somewhere there but it's it's really nothing that we focus on at the moment or we think about we think about delivering on our promises first and uh, then we will allow ourselves to you know dream up uh, the future a bit more proactively again yeah I, I would say about a month ago or maybe a little more than that we all kind of made a google doc of stuff we still wanted to add to the f14 and the list became pretty long so it feels like the f14 still has a pretty long time to go before we'd call it done it obviously will never be actually done but as close to done as possible and I think a lot of those items were not like uh, early access release blocking items, but they uh, were items that we would eventually like to add. So I feel like we're probably going to try to finish those up before we try to tackle anything new or even think about that. Awesome. I like and it. Ragnar said, you know, we, we tend to make our own lists huger than they could be. You know, I mean, we could have called the Tomcat released, you know, we could have called the Vigan released by now. Um, in comparison of what's there and what's missing would be fair enough to say it's just work in progress item it's fine or even not deliver you know not have a forest or not have an a would have been a perfectly fine module like that as well in my opinion but of course we as as we're you know just as invested in simming as you guys we want these things for ourselves as well you know we want a cool carrier with it we the A version, we want all these, you know, the Draken AI and so on. So we tend to stretch that goal a little bit more for ourselves. But at the same time, I think it's really worth it because it's 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 great to have a module. It's much greater to have a module with a lot of content. All right, guys. Well, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, come and do this interview. I really do greatly appreciate uh all of the input and the answers to the questions from the community and uh, all the insight you guys have and really appreciate what you guys are doing for the flight sim community. So thank you uh, from me and and everyone else here. Thanks, Jabbers. Thanks for the interview. Thanks for everybody in the community supporting us. Thank you for your questions. And if you have more questions or if your question hasn't been answered, 
feel free to send it to me or post it on the forums or below the video or so whatsoever. We'll always try to answer them, of course. Thanks so much, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, thanks for listening. And uh, we're going to get out of here and uh, catch you on the next one. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Air Combat Sim. Don't forget to subscribe or tell a friend about it. You have a question, idea for an episode, or a special guest you'd like us to invite? Feel free to reach out on Facebook, Discord, or via email. Air Combat Sim was brought to you by BVR Productions.